It's going to be a special couple of weeks, and uh, I cannot wait to uh, be a part of this. My kids just love this, and as I said, for those of you who are watching at Lake Worth, we have that venue open for everyone from fifth grade, all the way up middle school, high school, with their families together. Free, in that room, they're doing free candy, popcorn, soda, everything. It's going to be like you're in a, a movie theater, and it's, once again, the identical experience than, than in here or at our Boynton campus, and, uh, uh, but it is, it is neat, and it's such a great opportunity to uh, reach people, as well as I want to encourage everyone, we're going to have fun. We're going to have a blast, but I promise you there's some really deep spiritual things in the midst of this that we're going to walk through in the scriptures, and God just does some great, great stuff. So, so many exciting things from the Christmas offering and, and being able to help build our first mobile dream center in Palm Beach County, by the way, for anyone to go out there and, and serve a difference at the movies, Christmas Eve services, uh, just so many great ways uh, that we get to be a part of, of just doing such an incredible, an incredible thing in our county. So, well, I am excited to teach as, as well today. And um, welcome, by the way, our Boynton campus. We're so glad, as always, and everyone uh, watching at church at home. Because God just, there was a scripture that God really just put on my heart a few months ago that as I've been really meditating on it and thinking about it and processing it, it's really just built my faith. It's really helped me dream a little bit more. Um, it's given me a little more peace, a little more confidence to move forward and do some great things. And so I just hope it ministers to you. And today what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you a little bit about what I would like to call the gap. And the gap is that distance between who you are and who you want to be or where you are and, and where you want to be. And every single one of us, when you look at your life, there is a gap, a distance between these things. And these gaps come in all different shapes and sizes. They could they be a gap in your business. Hey, here's where my business is. But God, here's where I'm dreaming it and want it to be. It could be personally. Hey, here, here's the gap of who I am emotionally or, or spiritually or the struggles and strongholds in my life. And, and there's this gap between who you are and who, who you one day want to be. It could be in our marriages. Here's where our marriage is. But here's where I feel like God really wants it to be. And so what we do as human beings is, is that every one of us wake up day after day. And what we strive to do is fill in the gap, don't we? We move a little bit closer. We, we keep on working and striving to, to help us get closer to the person we want to be or, or bring our life into where it wants to be. And as, as leaders, we really focus in on three separate things. And I think no matter who you are, I think these three things are very wise. I think they're scriptural as well. But there are three things that you see across the board that people do to fill in that gap, right? To bridge the gap from where you are to where you wanna be and who you are to who you want to be. And the first one is we try to learn, right? We try to gain wisdom. By the way, that's a biblical principle. The Bible tells you that, that wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors. So, so what do we do? We read books on leadership. We listen to podcasts. We get mentors. We, 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 we strive to learn and educate and grow and go, hey, I wanna I want be a better at business, so I'm gonna learn books on leadership. I wanna be better parents, so I'm gonna read books on parenting. I wanna get better in marriage, so I'm gonna read books on marriage. I wanna, I wanna fill my wisdom and how to learn how to manage money and resources better. So we go ahead and do that. And so what do we do? We first we do is we go, we're going to bridge the gap by adding wisdom to our battle, which by the way, good idea. The second thing that we all strive we need to do is what do we do? We don't just add wisdom. We like to add strategy. 
disciplines, right? So when we look at life, so I wanna lose weight, so I'm gonna get a strategy of eating a diet, or I'm gonna go to a gym and get a coach, and I'm gonna commit to work out three days a week with a partner, or hey, we're gonna get in a financial, uh, we're gonna get in a better place financially, we're gonna commit to create a budget and a plan and a strategy. See the principle? Hey, we wanna grow our marriage, we're gonna go ahead and create systems that are, that are developing and make sure we have time to invest into each other. And so what do we do? We gain wisdom, we develop strategies, and the last part is we work hard, don't we? Like we just gotta grind through it. And, and, and I love the Bible, says, if man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Now there's this part of us in our lives that we need to understand if we're gonna bridge the gap, no matter what we're walking through, adding wisdom, adding strategies and disciplines and adding hard work, there's really no other way to kind of get that. This is the way that all of us are striving to grow and bridge the gap of where we are to where we wanna be and who we are to who we want to be. And for some of you, listen, this is not the message, but for some of you, this is exactly what you need to hear. Is that you got, what, what you need to hear today before we get into the main message we're about to get into is what you need to hear is what God wants to say to you is, hey, stop sitting there and praying for your marriage alone and start working on it. You see the Like start reading how to be a better husband. Start investing in time. Begin to date again. Stop just praying for your children. Pray for them. But start reading and getting wisdom and getting in a parenting small group and figuring out how to spend more time developing your children. Hey, stop complaining about not having enough money and start going to, like we use Financial Peace University and begin to study how to manage it and lead it, make better choices, create budgets and systems, honor God, bless Him and do these things. In other words, that the way to you to bridge the gap in your life is so important for you to never neglect growing in wisdom, developing disciplines and strategies, as well as, last but not least, working hard. But here's what I found in my life, and this is, what I, this is the focus of today. Have you ever found in your life that even when you do those three things, there's still a gap? You ever found those things like, okay, God, I've done my part, but even though I've done all my part, hey, my business is still here, my marriage is still here, my children are still over there, you know, my, my, my emotions are still out of control, and I don't know why I'm feeling angry, I don't know why I'm feeling, you, you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> In other words, in our lives, you've done your part. You've got wisdom, you've read books, you've gone to counseling, you've, you've worked really hard, you've, you've pushed through, you've grinded, you've got some, some great strategies, and at the end of the day, there's still a gap. You ever found that? Because see, sometimes what can happen in our lives, we can find ourselves, and maybe you're a parent, and man, you love your kids, and you've done everything for them, but there's that, there's that one child that is that strong-willed child. Luckily, my parents never had one, but... Right? And no matter what you do, they, they're on their, they have their own bent. You can just see to them and it breaks your heart, the choices that they're making. And you're like, God, I've tried everything that I can do and there's still the gap. Or they're in the wrong crowd and I see them drifting and I don't know what to do. Or maybe it's your marriage and, and you're married and you want so much to, to thrive in marriage and yet the person you married has uh, just a lot of baggage or maybe unhealthy issues. And so what begins to take place is that they came from such a dysfunctional family that dysfunctionality actually feels normal to them and they don't even know how to make this marriage thing work. And so God, I've tried everything and I can't get there. And I, maybe it's finances and you, you look back and you go, God, as I look at the debt and all of the problems and all of the inflation, and if I worked 80 hours a week and saved all this money, I'll never be able to get ahead. I'll never afford a house. And, and it just looks like no matter what the gap, no matter how hard you work, there's still a gap between where you are and where you want to be and who you are and who you want to be. And that's what I want to talk about today. It's not don't work and do those other things. What I want to talk about is how do you fill in that gap when you've done everything in your power? And this is what's so cool. This is what God really put in my heart. Here's what I begin to realize. Do you know that God 
has the power and the ability and the desire to be who fills in that gap for you. Do you know that? I want you to see this. That God actually has the ability, when you've done your part, to step in and bridge the gap to who you, where you are, to where you want to be, and who you are, to who you want to be. In fact, I love this about the Bible. Because God actually, in His own name, when He is described by His followers, names create, uh, in the Old Testament, form their identity. It's who they were. And I love how God wants to be called. And one of the names of God is, I want you to see this, is what's called Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. In fact, you can actually take it a little deeper. It doesn't just mean God will provide. It means that God will see to it. And the idea is that even in the name of who your God is, is that God wants you to understand, hey, I am God, Jehovah Jireh, and I will see your needs. And by the way, I want to step in and provide. I want to bridge the gap between everything that you have. When you bring me into the equation, I can take you further. I can accomplish things with you and in you and through you that you could never do on your own. And one of the things that God has been wrestling with me in my life is to realize that too often in my life, as I look forward to my future and I'm trying to bridge the gaps that are in my life, is too often I rely simply on my own talent, my own abilities, my own hard work, and my own wisdom. And what I want to show you today is how God is that you are not alone and that God actually wants to step in and actually help bridge that gap between who you are and who you want to be, right? We're all in that transformation process and where you are and where you ultimately want to be, whether that be relationally or marriage or business or resources or ministry or whatever that might be. Because one day, the verse that really hit me, we're going to look at now, but one day Jesus wanted to teach the disciples this. Because just like you and me, the disciples often would look at life and they would look at what they've got to accomplish and they would center in on their own abilities, what they could do and what they could accomplish. And they would leave what I like to call the God factor out. And so I love how Jesus teaches them a lesson about this. And this lesson is found in the book of Matthew chapter 16, and we'll get there in a minute. But right before this, I want you to note something that happens that what Jesus brings up and what we're gonna talk about. Because right before this, Jesus does some incredible miracles through the disciples. They're very famous. Uh, this is the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. And so what takes place is they're in a crowd of people and all these people, Jesus healed them and teaching them about God and, and it's amazing things in the middle of nowhere and it sometimes has been days. People haven't eaten and they're starving. And so Jesus would look to the disciples and say, hey, what do you guys have? I want you to go feed all of these 5,000 men plus women and children. And the disciples are like, well, we got like five loaves of bread and two fish, which does not go very far to feed around 10,000 people, just for the record, okay? And Jesus goes, go feed them. And they walked out and they, with five loaves of bread and two fish, began to feed 5,000 men plus all the women and the children, somewhere around 10,000 people. And it's the miracle of feeding of the 5,000, right? God multiplied it. Then a little bit later, there was 4,000 people and they were listening to Jesus in the middle of nowhere, nowhere around. And Jesus tells the disciples once again, go feed all of the people. They looked at him. We only have seven loaves of bread. That's it. And Jesus, go do it. So they stepped out in faith and they were faithful and they went out and they fed 4,000 men plus women and children. So right after these miracles, I want you to see this where God used the disciples to do all of this and they feed them and after they feed all these crowds, there's tons of food left over and it's like, wow, God, you're amazing. And right after that, they go to a town and I want you to see what Jesus wants them to see on how they look forward in life because I think this is the lesson that God wants to show us today. And here's what we find. When they went across the lake, the disciples, notice this, forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, 
be on your guard against the yeast, by the way, is what makes up bread, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those were the religious leaders of the day that were often corrupt and greedy and judgmental. And he goes, so he's saying, hey, be careful of these religious leaders that are corrupt. For they discuss, then the disciples, listen, then they discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we did not bring any bread. Now, I know you're like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Let me explain. So what I want you to see is this. The disciples are going on a journey to do a ministry, to reach people, to touch people's lives, right? They, they get across the lake. Jesus tells them something about the Pharisees and the yeast of the bread and all this stuff. And they assume what Jesus is saying is, hey, guys, you don't have enough provision. You came on this journey and you don't have enough bread to feed yourself, but not just feed yourself. You can't feed other people either. And so the disciples got a little circle to think, here's what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying to us, he's mad at us because we weren't smart enough. We didn't think. We didn't come up with the right strategy. We don't have the sustenance necessary to take care of ourselves or take care of others. And so I want you to see, immediately what they begin to look at, Jesus was saying, you don't have enough bread. You don't have enough resources. You can't do what I've called you to do. And they think he is upset with them. By the way, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there in life where you don't think you're enough? You ever been there at the end of the month with the money? You ever been there with your children and you're trying to balance the career, the family, the life, the ministry? It's like, I'm not enough. You ever been there in business where you look at, I can't even find employees to work and I don't know what, you know, I'm gonna do and, you, and it just feels overwhelming. And my point is, have you ever been where the disciples were in this moment where they actually feel, oh, well, we don't have enough. So because we don't have enough, God's not gonna be able to use us or do any miracles through us or we can't be a part because we don't have what? We don't have enough bread. Now, remember what they came out of, right? Jesus just fed 4,000. He just sold 5,000. And here's what I want you to see. Listen to, what, listen to what Jesus says to them, because I think this is so powerful. Aware of their discussion. Isn't that awesome that Jesus is aware of everything? <laughs> he knows the conversations we have, by the way, with ourselves, constantly telling ourselves that we're not enough. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asks, and here's what he says. He goes, listen, you have little faith. In other words, why are you looking at life as, as if it's simply limited to your own abilities and provision? See, why did you take me out of your future? Why are you looking, going, oh no, we forgot to bring bread and because therefore we don't have bread or sustenance, Jesus can't multiply the bread. And so because we don't have the loaves to give him, he can't feed people, he can't feed us. We are not enough. And he goes, why are you looking at life with only you being the factor and leaving God out? Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? He says, do you not understand like, are you, like, did you not just witness these moments when I just did all these things? And then he takes them back and I want you to see what he's trying to see. You're missing the point. You have the wrong perspective on the limitations of your future because you're simply thinking of yourself and you're leaving God out of it. And listen to what he says. See, Jesus goes, hey, um, do, do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and, and how many basketfuls you gathered? So, so, so you remember that? Um, when there was 5,000 men plus probably another 5,000 women and children, let's say around 10,000 people. And you're like, um, you want us to feed 10,000 people with five loaves and two fists, Jesus? Like, that, that's not enough. Would you say there was a gap between what they had with five loaves and two fists and 10,000 people? Anybody here? Those of you with kids go, yeah, that's enough for one. And, and, and Jesus is like, do you remember that? Yeah. And did I bridge the gap? Yeah. And, and when I bridged the gap and you fed all of those, you stepped out in faith and you did it. And, um, at the end of it, how much did you have left over? Oh, 12 basketfuls. Oh, so you mean every one of you had more than what you started with? 
So every one of you held a basket full of feast. In the beginning, you didn't have enough to feed yourselves. And not only did you feed everyone else, at the end of it, you actually had more than you began with. Do you see what Jesus is saying? It's not about the bread. And he goes, hey, what about this? Um, remember um, the seven loaves of bread you had for 4,000? How many baskets did you gather? Like, this isn't just a one-time thing. Remember the next time? And there you are once again, 4,000 men, women, children, probably 8,000 around people. Remember that? And, and, and you're like, I go feed them. And you're like, well, once again, we only have seven loaves of bread. There's 8,000 people, Jesus. You can do the math. I mean, it's, it's, it's not looking good. There's a gap. Uh, Jesus is like, did, did I bridge that gap? And after that, how many did you have left over? Oh, seven basketfuls. And so once again, you took one loaf and you turned every loaf, fed 8,000 plus people. And then once again, at the end, you had more than what you began with. Are you starting to understand what Jesus is trying to teach them? Because I love what he says next. This is what he tells them. He says this, how is it you don't understand? I was not talking to you about bread. I don't, I'm not worried about your lack. I'm the creator of the universe. Do you really think that I can't do something because you don't have enough bread? Like, do you understand what Jesus said? He goes, you're looking at the world in the wrong way. Do you not realize who I am? Do you not realize that I don't need your bread? Because every time, even though you did have the bread and you brought that, at the end, you actually had more. I didn't even use what you had. I actually multiplied what you had and took care of all of those people. Do you see the principle? The problem was they're looking at life and they're limiting themselves to their own abilities and their own work and their understanding. And Jesus is telling them, it's not about that. I don't need your bread. I just need you to be faithful. And God is enough, I want you to hear this, to bridge the gap between your faithfulness and ability and your ultimate needs in your life, both in who you are and where you are in your life. And I think what God was showing me in this season as I was listening to this or, or reading this, there was this part of me that just was like, I begin to realize how often I do the same things to the disciples. And as I begin to look at my future and all the gaps, we all have gaps, right? And I look at all the things that I, I really feel like God wants me to do or accomplish and all the, the roadblocks in the way. And so often what I do is I look at life and I go, oh God, I just, there's no way. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough strength. I've got these kids and I, I got a ministry and a business and a life and, and there's just no way. You, you ever get that way? By the way, you ever get kind of like, oh God, I, mean, just, oh, I can't believe this, another problem. Anybody get whiny here besides me? I'm glad I'm not the only one. Not a lot, most of you guys don't whine to God. I try it. I do it all the time. It's very cathartic. <laughs> but what God was showing to me was that part of my whininess and, and negative and cynicism, and by the way, even why I stopped dreaming in certain arenas of my life is because I started looking at life as if it was all on my shoulders. As if I was looking at what only I could accomplish with my hard work or my wisdom that I could learn or, or my abilities or my circumstances or whatever I have. And what God was showing me in this is, don't leave me out of it. In other words, you, 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 when you look at your future, you're not alone in tackling this. That the creator of the universe, who Jesus says knows the hairs of your head, wants to bridge the gap between your faithfulness and obedience and your hard work and your wisdom. And he can take you so much farther than you could ever imagine. And he can bridge so much more gaps. He can do things that you could not even think, dream, or imagine. In fact, I love it. In the Bible, you see this over and over again where God's like, hey, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the provider. I'll bridge the gap with your obedience and your faithfulness. I will take you so much farther. I love this moment in, in, um, in, in Jewish history when God 
rescued the Jewish people from slavery and bondage of Egypt. And he tells them, hey, I'm gonna take you to a promised land. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna make you like rich and you're gonna like, you know, have all this money and resource. I'm gonna give you freedom. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. It's great. And, and yet when you think about that, how? Now imagine for a moment, I want you to see, we look at our lives, we look at all the things that don't work. I want you to look at a practical uh, solution to the problem of the Israelites without God. They're slaves. They've been slaves for 400 years. They've been oppressed. They have no nation. They have no gold. They have no bank. They have no livestock. They own nothing but clothes. So how in the world would God ever allow a nation of slaves with no land, no army, no bank, no economy, and no gold to become rich? Isn't that impossible? Do you see how ridiculous that seems? God's promise to them. And so, so what, 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 here's what I want you to see. This is amazing. This is why I want you to see about God. This is why we've got to understand that God can bridge the gap. And there's this massive gap between where they are. Hey, we're poor. We have nothing. Where, we, where God has promised us to be, which is actually to have resources. But notice how God does it. He tells the nation of Israel to do something absolutely crazy. You know what he tells them? I want you to go to the Egyptians, you, you know, your oppressors, and just tell them to give them your gold. Like, God, we don't have an army. And quite honestly, you made them really mad at us because you sent all those plagues and wiped out their whole economy. And now we built all their pyramids and did all these other great stuff. And now we're leaving them. And you really believe that the oppressors that slaughtered us and did all these things, are they going to give us money? But listen to this. I want you to see. So they're obedient. I want you to see this. So the people of Israel had done as Moses had told them. Okay, God, we don't understand it. But we're gonna, we're gonna expect you to bridge the gap. We're gonna expect you, we're gonna bring the God factor in and we're gonna walk in obedience and we're gonna walk up to these oppressors that used to beat us and say, could you give us some gold? I love this, listen to this. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. By the way, I wouldn't try this with strangers. God had told them to do this, just so you know. It probably doesn't go very well. But here's what you see about God. Look at, look at this, look at this. This is, this is amazing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. We can't look over that. He put it in the Egyptians' mind, will, and emotions to actually do it so that they had, so that they'd let them have what they asked, thus they plundered the Egyptians. No army, no force, no gunpoint, no knives. They walk up to a group of individuals and says, will you give us your gold? And God says, God put it in their heart. He actually pulled a little Yoda mind trick on them. And these, these Egyptians are like, yeah, it's a great idea. Let me give you all the gold, my kids' gold, and the college fund. Just take everything. Here, go. And it was the greatest transfer of wealth in all of human history in a moment because God ordained it and made it took place. That's the God you serve. See, I want you to see this. See, see, God bridged the gap and the gap was complete poverty to wealth in a moment because he actually put and gave favor into the hearts of you. Listen to this. Do you really think that your boss is in control of your future and not God? Do you really think that God can't open up doors of opportunity for you? Do you really think that God, you know what I'm saying? As you look forward in your life and you're dreaming and you have these things you put, think God has put on your heart and you wanna be faithful. Can I just tell you something? We serve this God in fact, it was just a little while later, the, the Israelites were out in, in the desert, okay? Another crazy thing. There's about 2 million people that are in the desert, scholars say. They're in the desert. There's just nothing around them. God took them on a journey away from all the civilizations, and they're in the middle of the desert, and they start to complain because they have no meat, which, by the way, if you've ever not eaten meat for a few days, I'm on their side on this one, right? Because... 
Two days without bacon is two days too much without bacon, right? So, so they haven't had any meat, and they begin to complain to God. You know what God says? God says, okay, fine. I will send you all the meat you guys can eat for one month. Now, once again, let's look at the practical. Let's be wise here. Let's be smart. Okay, there's two million people. They're in a desert. They don't have flocks. There is no, like, Publix, okay? There's no freezers. There's no civilizations. How in the world is God going to give two million people all you can eat meat in a desert for a month? You see how illogical that is? In fact, it's so illogical. Listen to what Moses says to God. All right, this is Moses who watched him part the Red Sea and send 10 plagues. And he's like, God, you've outdone yourself this time. I don't think you can do this one. But Moses said, hey, God, uh, here I am. And I'm just among 600,000 men on foot. Not to mention men and women and children, right? All right. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Have you seen how much these men eat? We left all the vegans back in Egypt. Do you hear what Moses is saying? God, that's, 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 that's ridiculous. Like, there's just no way. In fact, he continues, hey, w- would we have enough if the flocks and the herds were all slaughtered for them? Like, even looking at the little things we have, there's, we can't, it's, it's impossible. There's, it's like, I'm, in a, I'm looking at sand, there's no way. He goes, well, listen, w- would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Like, I love what Moses is doing with God. Hey, God, um, I know you made that promise. <laughs> but before you actually, I just want you to think about it. Like, do you really understand what that's gonna take, God? You see Moses' heart? He's like, God, like, okay, let's just do the math. Two million people, okay, they each eat six, eight, you know, 15 ounces, if you will, of meat every single day times, you know, 30 days times two million. Like, I just want you to know, do you not realize we're in a desert? Like, like, God, come on. I know you can part water and seas and send plagues, but there's no way you can feed two million people for 30 days and all you can eat meat buffet in the middle of a desert. God, this is too much for you. Do you ever feel those ways? God, this is what I really feel you told me you would do in my life, and here's the gap, and there just seems no way. And I love what God's response is because this is so beautiful. Here's what God says. Um, he says this. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? It's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Do you not know who I am? Do you not realize I spoke the universe into existence? Do you not realize I own the cattle on a thousand hills? God's like, do you not understand that like I breathed and stars came forth? Do you not realize I built all of this? He's like, is my arm really too short? Am I not strong enough ability to actually feed? You think I'm really, and I love it. Like, it's like God takes the challenge, right? He goes, now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. And you know what God does? And there they are, okay, all right, all right, God, you, you do it. And they're sitting there. And all of a sudden, it's a, the scripture says that God sends a mighty wind up from the ocean, the sea. And all of a sudden, God begins to send, listen to this, somewhere around over 100 million quail from the sea. And they're flown, they fly in out of nowhere because the wind carries them into the middle of the desert, into their camp, and they feast on meat, all they can eat. God's arm's not too short. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, this is the God we serve. Like, I wanna, like, sometimes we look at life and most like, it's impossible. God's like, yeah, not for me. Not even a big deal. What's this? I blow some wind. There you go, you're fed. Like, it's not even hard. Like, he's not going, that's, that's no more difficult than me feeding 4,000 people. 
That, that's not, like, it's just not complicated for God. In fact, I love this time when the, the disciples needed some money to pay a tax, and, and, and Jesus is like, hey, guys, we don't have any money. Great, go over there and catch a fish. I'm like, okay, go fish. They catch a fish, they open his mouth, there's a coin in it. Jesus is like messing with him at that point, you know? He's just showing them, guys, God's arm is not too short. And what I want us to understand is this is the same God you serve. This is the God you're praying to. This is the God you're worshiping. This is the God that we're seeking the Lord. So God, will you, sell, will, you, will you bridge the gap? He's the God of the gap. And all throughout the scripture, God's like, it's not too difficult for me. I can walk on water. I can create universes and stars. I can feed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And I can give 2 million people an all-you-can-eat meat buffet in a desert on a wind like that. That's the God that we serve. And too often in life, we are living our lives and even dreaming our dreams. And they're limited to your own ability and your own wisdom and your own strength. And we leave out the fact that the creator of the universe presence dwells in you. And there is a legion of armies of angels that are sent to battle for you. And there's the creator of the universe that is on your side that has the fighting your battles for you. And some of us, and what God wanted me to see is I've got to stop looking life as if it's only my work and my wisdom and my strength, if you will, that, that can actually determine my future, that God is actually a part of this. I'll never forget this moment because um, there was a season like this at church where w one of the things we were struggling with was back in the day when we didn't have a permanent place is we were looking for a place to meet. And, and I just say this, listen, as a pastor, listen, I truly believe that the single greatest way to transform people's lives, to change the world, by the way, is to build church campuses. I think it's number one. Listen, I love reaching all of you that are at church at home and we love it. We actually reach more people through these cameras than we do in this room. Um, and, and so we love that. And I love that, by the way, so many of you are having small groups and watching this together all over the world and that's awesome. But at the end of the day, here's my heart. I still think even you at home, you need community. You need community. If you watch it together, great. If you wanna watch it and go to another church, that's fine. But I still feel like God designed to change the world, the light of the world, is to gather together in community. Look at the difference that we make. Like look at even what we saw in the beginning of the service and all the things that we're, we're a part of here at, at the church, right? So I think it's the best way to do ministry. And yet, if you've ever been to Palm Beach County, you realize land's kind of expensive here, right? In fact, everything's expensive in Palm Beach County, just for the record, right? It's crazy. And so we found ourselves in this moment where we're like, okay, God, um, we, we had someone had given us a shopping center in, in East Boynton towards Lake Worth for our Boynton campus. There you guys are. And, and then we had this place we were meeting at Park Vista High School. We didn't have a home. We couldn't find places to meet and do things with students in the midweek and just serve the, the community. And I remember just praying, okay, God, like, how do we, like, God, God like, this is going to be tough. How do you get us a space to do what you've called us to do? And so just to kind of understand the expense, for those of you that don't realize this, those of you that are here at Lake Worth, you know, it's not like a super fancy place. It's a nice place. It's not super crazy. But um, we can fit a little over 1,000 people per service in this, in this place and reach lots of people. And we actually had someone come in to go, what would it take for us to build something like this? And you realize what it cost? About $15 million, just for the record. $15 million. And that was years ago. It's probably closer to $20 million now uh, to build this. Now, we didn't pay this for this, um, but that's what it would cost to go in, buy property, and actually build a building. And so at that time, we were running about 1,000 people. Um, we brought about a million dollars a year for all of the givings that we would do. We would give a lot away, and we had 10 uh, full-time staff members and their families taken care of, and we we're reaching people. And so you could just do the math on yourself. There's just not a lot left over, is there? There's just not. 
And so we're looking at the mouth and going, okay, wait, you wanna talk about a gap? Okay, here's the gap, God. I think at that time, because we had uh, just got, uh, started the process in the Boynton campus, I think we had less than $50,000 in the bank. We needed about $15 million to build a building. Do you think that's a gap? That's a big gap. And I remember getting to the point where I go, okay, guys, I've done the math. I have a business degree. We looked at all these properties and every one of them were 12 to $15 million. There was no way. We, we kind of explored every option that we could think of on our own strength. And I finally went back to the team and said, guys, I'm done. Like, I'm just done looking. It, the, I've done the math. It doesn't work. And here's what I said. It's as impossible in us. And unless God does something, we're gonna be, per, we're gonna be in a portable place forever and we're never gonna have a church home. That's what I said to them. And I really, because I, I did the math. It's, not, it's, like, it's like, it's really, it wasn't that complicated. It wasn't like close. It was like, I got 50 grand, I need 15 million. Yep, not gonna happen. And wouldn't you know that we found out that all of a sudden this, this property was gonna come available. And I remember praying to the Lord. I said, God, okay, God, if this is what you want, then I'm not gonna call them and uh, let them contact us. And I sat there uh, for month after month. The team's like, why don't you at least call them? Why don't you just call them? Nope, not gonna call them if they want to call me. I'll never forget the moment because actually this guy right here in the front row, Tim, um, I was waiting for months and then I think it was their uh, real estate person or attorney or something was a friend of his and called Tim and said, hey, would you guys ever be interested in buying a property? And Tim tells him, no, we don't have any money. <laughs> you want to stand up and everyone wants to thank you right now, Tim. <laughs> So we're actually at a, a good buddy and uh, uh, we watch football pretty much every Sunday together and, and we're at a conference in Atlanta and I've, you know, we've been praying for months for this place going, God, I'm not gonna move unless you call. And Tim's like, oh, well, they called me months ago. I just never told you. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, God, but here's the bigger problem. We have like $50,000 and they want $7 million for this property. And we have exhausted everything we have and we can't even finish the point. In other words, it's impossible. Here's what I want you to see about God. There was a big gap. You know what happened? Let me tell you what happened. Somebody found out, we didn't ask. We never even raised a penny. Somebody found out we were looking and said, hey, by the way, something just happened. I just sold something and I have $5 million of cash that I'm looking to invest. Here's what I'll do for you guys. I will loan it to the church at zero money down, 2.4% interest only. That's $10,000 a month. For the record, listen to this. For the record, we were paying 11,000 a month to rent the high school for four hours a week. And he goes, hey, I'll give you this, $5 million. You just have to pay the $10,000 a month, you know, 2.54% interest, because I, I believe I want to see you in this property. Still, once again, still another obstacle. They wanted over seven, there are four churches bidding on it. And so he walked up and said, God, well, I just got to trust you. Okay, you're the God of the gap. You provided, this is crazy. Here's what we'll do. We walked up to them and said, here's our proposal. This is all we have. We have no cash. We have $5 million. This person will loan us to purchase it. It's take it or leave it. There's no real negotiations because we, we don't have anything else. Um, and I think it was the next day or a few days later, they called us back and said, hey, we all prayed. And we just felt like God was saying to us that he wants you to have it. We'll accept the offer. And 60 days later, with no fundraising and not getting a dollar, we went from a high school to a $15 million facility. See, God's arm is not too short. You see what Jesus is saying? It's not about the bread. It's not about the bread. But, you say, but we need to realize this. This is the same God that you're serving. We found ourselves in the same. And for those of you watching in our Boynton campus, right? Like we were, we were given this property, this commercial real estate, almost 30,000 square foot right off of Federal Highway. Amazing place to reach people. But what people didn't realize in that day that there was actually a law, or is a law in Boynton that you're not allowed to put churches in commercial real estate. You guys didn't know that, did you? Because our, our government is not too friendly towards churches. They are not excited about us. 
Now, I will say this. We've done an amazing job working with our mayors, working with the city and the police, and, and, and we are starting to be known very well about loving our community well. So I think we're going to change that very much, and we are in the process of changing that. But back then, it was, listen to this, it was in the law. We couldn't do it. So we have this beautiful property. We can't really build a church. Let me tell you about God. Let's talk about a gap. Okay, we can't fight the government. We don't have the resources or the legal team. We've got this property opportunity. God's called us to reach people. What do we do? He's the God of the gap. So all of a sudden we find out, oh, by the way, there's another nonprofit. They're actually suing the city of Boynton because what they say is wrong, unconstitutional. You shouldn't be able to, you know, not allow churches to meet in any commercial real estate. And the city of Boynton, after all these, there's a big national fight that's going on. I wasn't even aware of. And they, they finally came to a settlement with the city saying, okay, here's what we'll do. We're still gonna keep it in our books. It's still there. But we're gonna take 60 days and anybody, any nonprofit that submits it in 60 days is allowed in. Well, guess what? It was the exact 60 days that we're building out or drawing up the plans. And therefore we have our Boynton campus. And it was, it was amazing. I was there yesterday. We did, a, we did an amazing party for all the foster children in Palm Beach County. Oh, it was just beautiful to watch. They did, we had snowball fights for them and pancake breakfast. And we, we provided them all the gifts. Every single child got to walk. They walked in. We had a whole room and, and uh, just filled with toys, seeing their face, just grabbing. And there's parents and families. It was amazing. We used that campus. My point is, God's arm's not too short. I remember even in business, right? this isn't just ministry. I remember starting out in business, my first job out of college, I was praying for, um, to just do well. And I was working hard, doing my best and was having a hard time landing some big accounts and rising in the organization. And wouldn't you know that one day I pick up the phone and an account that our company had been trying to get for many, many years, they've flown their best salesmen all around the country in, their number one people. They've done everything to get this huge, massive nationwide account, and they failed year after year after year. And one day, here I am praying, God, would you just bless my business? I'm tithing, and I'm honoring God, I'm being faithful, right? Would you bless my business? And you know, I pick up the phone, and guess what it is? It's that account. And they were mad at our competitors, just, hey, we wanna sign up. And all I did is I picked up the phone and became the number one salesman in the country. You know what I did? I picked the phone up. I said, hello? Yeah, I guess I'm number one now. I signed my name on a paper. Like in some ways I had nothing to do with it, but I, in some ways I had everything to do with it because I sought the God of the gap and God honored, I think, the faithfulness of life. And by the way, I did work hard too. I, I developed a relationship with that. But you see what I'm saying? But too often we're looking at life and we're leaving that out. And I'm not saying these things are overnight, by the way. There were years, there were months and months about, like I, I say this in like five minutes and you're like, I tried that, I prayed. And I think, well, no, listen, I'm, I'm giving you the expedited version of a lifelong seeking of the Lord. But what I'm trying to say is you see what God's saying. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the God of the provider. I will see and I provide. I can fill in the gap between your faithfulness and no gap is too big. Now listen to me. Some of us will take this the wrong way, and I, I need to say this. I want you. For some people, what they'll say is they'll take this to the extreme and go, "Oh, well, that's great. If God's if God's gonna do everything, I'm just gonna sit back and watch Netflix. God, will you build my business for me? Hey, God, you know what I'm doing? Listen, will you raise my boys, my kids up? I, I, I want them to love you and be good, you know, husbands, you know, wives, uh, employees. I want them to be great. Will you just take care of raising them? Hey, God, will you fix my marriage? Like, I wrote a list out for her. For her. If you could just fix that, it'd be great. I'm going to sit here and just watch more football. Hey, God, I don't want to tithe or honor you with my first fruits, but God, would you bless me with more, even though I'm not being faithful to you with what you've already blessed me with? Do you see my principle? See, some people take this to the extreme, and they use it as an excuse to do nothing. That's not what I'm talking about. Because, see, that's, that's actually the not in the Bible. Because, see, God is a God of principle. 
And what, one of the principles you see over and over again in the scriptures is that God promises to bless you when you, when you like if you are faithful to little Jesus, you're gonna be entrusted with much. But it doesn't mean if you're not faithful that God's gonna entrust you. If you're not faithful with what you have, why would God trust you with more? You see the principle? Like, like, like I, the, the scripture is called reaping and sowing. It's a principle all through the Bible. You will reap what you sow over and over and over and over again. God does not promise you to reap what you don't sow. And, and even Jesus is talking to people that are worried and anxious about money and stuff and things and future. And what does he tell them? Hey, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. You, you, listen, you be faithful to God and then God will step in and do his part. And for some of you, what I want to challenge you is, is for too long, you've just been sitting back and expecting God to do what you're supposed to do. Because what God's calling you to do is, hey, you use your wisdom, you work hard, you honor and be faithful. And then when the gap is left, then you expect God to fill in that part. Does that make sense? And what I, my heart for you to understand is that for some of you, you, you wanna fix your marriage, you just start, start dating again. Start learning what it means to be a good husband. Read books on it. You wanna raise godly kids? You start praying with your children at night. Find devotions. Talk to Pastor Manny, one of our, kids, our children's people. They'll help you with that, whatever your age demographic might be. And you, you wanna get better at business? Start showing them to work on time. Like do a good job. How about that? Start there. Being faithful where you're at. And then you know what you could do? God, I expect you to step into the gap. I expect you to change the heart of that boss. I expect you to, to move that wall. I expect you to see the principle of what I'm talking about. I love this promise. We'll close with this. I love this promise that God gives. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. <clears throat> For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Notice he doesn't leave out. He doesn't just talk about the harvest and being blessed and God stepping in. He doesn't leave out. Hey, we need to do our part, right? So you say, hey, listen, when it comes to your disciplines, when it comes to growing in wisdom, when it comes to hard work, you do your part. You be faithful and obedient. God doesn't promise to, to honor disobedient, lazy people. You be faithful and obedient, then what's this? Here's the promise. I'll step in and bridge the gap between where you are and where you wanna be and who you are and who you wanna be. God's arm is not too short. What is your gap? If a God can feed two million people meat for a month on a wind, provide money in a fish's mouth, cause people in Egypt to just give their wealth away, how much more can he do in your situation? And I think for some of us, we gotta start dreaming again like this. For some of us, we gotta stop looking at our future and looking at our marriages and our children and our businesses and our ministries and, and, and even our own internal issues, whether it's anxiety or anger or unforgiveness or, or depression or whatever it is you're feeling emotionally or, or, or the state of your life, is that we gotta stop looking at it as simply what I can do with my talent, my hard work and my strategy and realize there is a God, Jehovah Jireh, that is your provider, that it is so easy for him to fill in the gap between where you are and where you want to be and who you are and who you want to be. The creator of the universe knows the hairs on your head and the creator of the universe has more than enough strength to step into your gap and bridge the gap between your faithfulness and what God's plan is for your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this truth, God. God, there's so many people in this, in this room watching online that as they look at their future, there's just so many gaps, so many barriers but none of them are too big for you. And so God, I just pray you just to revitalize dreams and revitalize hope and that you just begin to move in our hearts and our minds, God. 
and that you begin to bridge the gap between where we are and where we wanna be and where you want us to be more importantly and who we are and who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.